0: Family, food, football. Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Danny Sarek joins me on this day before Thanksgiving. Want to wish everyone a happy and safe Thanksgiving. Just might be the best day of the year. Cardinals this week host the Rams, the second meeting of the season. What do we know about who will and who won't play? Plus, the latest on Kaiser White. Josh Woods is ready to step up. And should we be concerned about the shoulder injury to Michael Wilson? And how do we get Hollywood Brown more productive? It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 702, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, what heart, what threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, half a five. He's in again. Some more Murray magic. Wow.
1: Here's Craig Grealou.
0: So I had not planned to begin the show with another tweet or post or whatever we're calling it these days. Though I think at this point, Danny, it's become a thing. I think this is what, show three or four in a row in which I examine your social media feed. But there's a good reason for this one, though.
1: I might have to block you, but <laughs> continue at your own risk.
0: This was earlier on Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving. If what, anyone... did I,
1: what did I tweet today?
0: Wow, you have that short-term memory? I don't know. All right, well, here it is to refresh your memory. If anyone was curious, neither linebacker Josh Woods nor quarterback Kyler Murray will be cooking for their Thanksgiving Day plans. I ask the tough questions around here.
1: Oh, yeah, that's not bad. That's not a bad one to pull. Uh, that is true. I talked with Josh Woods for this week's sideline Exchange interview and said we were, we were done. I was just asking him about his Thanksgiving plans, and he's actually going to Bobby Price's house. And so I had asked Josh, oh, like, what are you making? What are you bringing? And he laughed. He goes, oh, no, I'm helping pay for the food. I'm not bringing anything. And I was like, oh, you don't cook? Is no and one he, cooking? And he said, no, but I grill. And what was funny was Michael uh. Carter was walking by, Not super close, though, and heard Josh say that. So then the two of them are going at it about who is the better grill master. And I think they're going to end up having a grill off is what I gathered from that. So Josh Woods is not cooking. And then when Kyler had his press conference Wednesday, he was asked if he's putting sriracha on his Thanksgiving foods. Right. Because we know from previous videos, Kyler loves sriracha, which I get. I love that as well. So I followed up and asked if Kyler was planning on cooking anything, and he said, I dabble, uh, but he will not be cooking, and basically said, when it's time for me to have to learn how to cook for Thanksgiving, I will learn, and I'm pretty good when I put my mind to things. But I can't imagine Kyler's ever going to need to learn how to cook for Thanksgiving.
0: Unless it becomes a competition as far as who's the best cook. Grilling, barbecue, stuff like that. The competition. I can see as competitive as Kyler is, and we only know him in one fashion, and that is a football player, but we've heard how competitive he is. Chess. He's very competitive in the game of chess. I could see Kyler sitting there and figuring out what it takes to be a good grill master or a cook or something or a specific dish if it's a part of a competition.
1: I learned from Cardinals Underground on Tuesday that Paul is not contributing anything food-wise for Thanksgiving. Does that seriously surprise you at all? No, it does not. And I learned Darren is cooking. And at first, I was like, holy cow, because I thought they were doing a full Thanksgiving feast. Not to fully take away from Darren, but they're doing a brunch. So he is still doing a ham, but Darren's doing like eggs and waffles and French toast, which again is great to contribute, but uh, I'm not as impressed when I thought he was doing a turkey and stuffing and mashed potatoes and yams and cranberry sauce.
0: And no green bean casserole.
1: No, Josh Woods does not like green casserole. casserole. Did the interview stop off, at that point? Knocked, well, this was after, but oh. it did knock off some points on how my, how I feel about him. Uh, but I wasn't going to tell him that. But I told him I loved green casserole. And he said, I don't know that I've ever had a casserole in my life. And I was like, now that you say that, this is probably the only casserole that I like. Okay,
0: that's fair. Um, I'm going to get back to Josh Woods here in a minute. <laughs> but I want to go back to Kyler Murray, because this is now two weeks three weeks and we keep hearing about how he's changed have you noticed Kyler Murray the first four years versus Kyler Murray in now these first three weeks addressing the media
1: absolutely I was actually thinking that today because you very kindly transcribe our press conferences and you share them
0: okay it's not a full transcript you it's more code. of a notes time your time you code. Yes.
1: and i was thinking today i was curious before i came down to the podcast studio i was like i felt like kyler talked for a while because i i actually came in a few minutes late because i was doing my sideline exchange interview with josh and i wasn't sure how late i came in so i wanted to look and kyler talked for what 13 14 minutes and i was thinking i i don't know if we ever got close to that range Last year or the year before, which was all I really have of experience with Kyler. It has been a nice change of he's talking longer. I feel like his answers are more candid, more honest, more accountability. It's been nice.
0: His body language when he sits at the podium. For those who aren't familiar or not quite sure as we paint the picture here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, I would go, I would invite you to go to azcardinals.com to see for yourself and look at previous Kyler Murray Wednesday interviews meets with the reporters versus what we've seen this season. And the arms are folded in front of him. He's leaning up against the microphone. He's looking at you. And looking at your eyes, he's addressing you as opposed to kind of addressing the room. He seems, to your point, more engaged. He is more into it. And again, this is maybe this is just more of a media thing because it's a better interview. You get more information out of a player when they are engaged with you and feel like it's not a task or that they were forced to do something. I get it. In the NFL, the quarterback has to speak twice a week once during the week and then once post-game. So it is part of their job. But earlier in Kyler's career, it felt like a job. Now it doesn't feel so much as it's a job or a requirement. He knows he has to do it, but he's walking in there kind of with an open mind and ready to have a conversation as opposed to answering the questions.
1: It's a good way to put it. And not just you don't just recognize that. The football questions, that's what's allowed us to have some fun and ask him about thanksgiving the day before the holiday right that just the kind of allows him to should be a little more open and showcase his personality
0: you get to know the person rather than just what you see on the field on sunday exactly so all right so that's kyler murray let's go back to josh woods because the reason why he is part of the sideline exchange i'm guessing one of the big reasons why he is your interviewee if you will is because now he becomes your quarterback of the defense. He takes over for Kaiser White, who was done for the season with a bicep injury, who, to my surprise, and I don't know if it was just me, but when any time you hear a head coach or anyone say, yeah, they're done for the season, they're on IR, it's unfortunate, it's awful, you don't want anyone to be injured, I basically put them out of sight, out of mind. You typically, when a player is Without done for the, blame. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Typically, when you're on IR, you, and it's it's just kind of how it is, regardless of sport. You all of a sudden become detached from the team. You, The team moves on, but you can't because you're hurt. You can't contribute, at least on the field. Yet, what did we see during the open portion of practice on Wednesday? Kaiser White standing with the football in his hand. Not just standing, though. He had his practice uniform on, watching his teammates, which, to me, I was stunned until you think back of what we heard and you probably saw it as well, post-game in Houston. One, he played, what, five or six snaps after he tore the bicep. No one realized it until the training staff had to basically sit him down and say, no, you are not playing in this game. And then he was in full uniform when they opened locker room for post-game. Still couldn't take that uniform off knowing that he had torn his bicep and had likely played his last snap of 2023
1: says a lot about him and his character. That was something that JG and Nick Rawls talked about. Well, yeah, now you can see why he's a captain and how much he cares about the game and about this team. When you say out of sight, out of mind, that's because typically if players are rehabbing, it's during practice. So we don't really see them around the building otherwise, which makes sense why when Carlos Watkins and LJ Collier on the defensive line had the same injury early this season, it took us a while, up until probably three weeks ago was the first time we saw Collier and Watkins out at practice of not rehabbing or whatever it is they were doing at that time. So that's what is surprising is the fact that this is the first practice since Kaiser's injury and he is out there. Now, that's not to say he's not rehabbing or whatever that might be. Maybe that's because before you can do anything with a bicep, maybe you have to Maybe it's still inflamed or you need to kind of let it sit for a little before you do anything. It does say a lot about him. You're right that he was out of practice. He, was st- he wasn't still—he was just in street clothes. He was in that practice uniform. Really does say a lot about him. And he wasn't just, you know, roaming around out there just for fun. Like He was as close as he could get without getting hit in those linebacker drills.
0: I don't know what his plans are post-playing career, but I could see him just based on the – what I saw earlier on Wednesday, him being a coach. Now, of course, the hours of a coach versus the hours that a player puts in is a little bit different. I mean, it's a lot of work either way. But he seems to really enjoy the game of football, the passion to play. And that's that's the one big thing you cannot measure with a watch or anything else as far as trying to figure out, is this player going to be successful? How do you predict success? well it's the work that you put in during the week to be successful on Sunday and the good news is Kaiser is under contract for next season he's not going anywhere one of the few guys in the offseason who did get a multi-year contract coming over from Philadelphia almost an extension of Jonathan Gannon and Nick Rawls knowing this defense so i for one one you feel awful that the injury is going to force him to the sideline the rest of the week uh, rest of the season but the fact that he is going to be here in 2024 maybe even beyond that depending on what happens
1: how many games left are there six yes I would say that even though Kaiser White will not play another snap this year without playing six games he will very likely still be your best off-season acquisition outside the draft as a free agent I, I still think even not playing six games you could argue that for him up until leaving when he was forced to leave the game Sunday He had played every single defensive snap, 100% of the snaps. There's a lot of times he's the only linebacker out there. What he's done and what he's done so quickly, think back to week one in Washington. I mean, it's been very impressive the way he has come in. And yes, he has that relationship with Rollis and Gannon leading back to Philly. Still very impressive. We don't see a lot of emotion out of Gannon. When he was talking Believe it was his Monday press conference when Gannon was talking about Kaiser's injury. He almost looked sad is not the right word gutted when he was talking about the fact that because Kaiser was staying out there, they didn't know that he was playing with the torn bicep. And the thought of the pain of playing with that and being able to tackle with one arm and he was still out there of you could see, you could see it and and Gannon's body language and how he was answering the question was just like amazement and felt horrible that he was playing out there and that's not to say that the staff and the training staff isn't doing their job to see but when you've got a guy who is still going out and still playing and not acting like he has a torn bicep right like until you notice you're not gonna know anything different
0: one of the new faces one of the many new faces on this roster and it's a good maybe question to ask at the end of the season even just having played only 11 games Does anyone surpass what Kaiser White has done for a full 17 games? The only name that comes to my mind immediately without even kind of looking at things is your starting center, Yelda Froholt. He hasn't played every single snap, but he has started every single game. He's had to miss a couple of snaps during the game. But you talk about the anchor of the offensive line. Kyler Murray talked about him earlier on Wednesday on how much Yelda has been a help Kyler within this offense, so it's it's if you stop and think about it, yeah, even just 11 games played, Kaiser White, what he's done stat-wise, and then just being that extension of the coaches on the sideline,
1: just as impressive as Kaiser White has been this year, the way that Josh Woods and Chris Barnes stepped up Sunday was a true testament to how those two players and the coaching staff gets everybody prepared. Chris Barnes and Josh Woods had a battle in training camp and Woods ended up winning that battle and getting that that playing time, earning that. And Barnes continued to work and prepare the way he needed to. He had a crucial interception just outside the end zone and had a 46-yard return, which was impressive. And Woods ended up with the green dot on his helmet, which is where the plays call in and come in and, and he's calling the defense and he's relaying that information. And Rawls kind of talked about in his press conference, it was something that I brought up with Woods in the Sideline Exchange interview of the linebackers practice with the speakers, but it's different in a game. And when I was asking Josh Woods about those in-game adjustments and how he was having to adapt, he started laughing. And he said, I was not expecting to be as out of breath as I was. Like, you wouldn't think that, but when you're already tired from the previous play, and now you're having to focus on what's coming in and you're having to relay it and then guys don't hear it or they have a question and you're having to echo it. He's like, man, I was so out of breath. And I said, did you go and say anything to Kaiser? Like, hey, I really didn't know what you go through. He goes, yeah, I went and apologized for all the times he's had to echo these plays because I did not know what it takes.
0: Zayvon Collins brought that up when he had that green dot. And, yeah, you're exhausted because it's the physical. It's also your thinking at the same time, making sure all 10 of your teammates know exactly what's going on and then trying to diagnose if you have to make a check. So it is not easy. But, yeah, Josh Woods now becomes your guy on that defense. And, again, sideline exchange up on azcardinals.com this week ahead of Cardinals and Rams. Also during the open portion of practice, it was good to see Jonathan Ledbetter back on the field, considering how many hits to that defensive line. Carlos Watkins, LJ Collier, now Lucky Fotu going to miss at least the next four games with a hand injury. Hopefully he's able to come back. Don't know for sure with six games left to go, but someone who's going into his free agent year, free agency, but had been playing very well. You hate to see that. Didn't see Kevin Strong out there. He's been bothered by a knee issue, has played, but has been bothered by a knee issue. And then Antonio Hamilton, which we know on that interception, hurt his groin. He wasn't out there during the open portion of practice. I'm more concerned about the Hamilton injury than I am about Kevin Strong. But bottom line is, Ledbetter is the big, not surprise, it's the big welcome back moment on defense.
1: Absolutely. And at least for my eyes, this was the first time in many, many weeks since that hand or thumb injury that Ledbetter had that he didn't have anything on his hand at practice. It's unfortunate because the injuries have really just hit two rooms, the defensive line and all at once was the safeties. You had Garrett Williams who was rehabbing and then Jalen Thompson and Buda Baker were both dealing with hamstring injuries at the same time. It's unfortunate because I feel like from what we have seen from this D line if they were able to have been healthy the way that Carlos Watkins and LJ Collier were playing, the game that Leckie Foto was having before he got hurt, you might really be on something with that D-line. Now, would it help in the future to, to bolster that, right? Get more run stuffers and those type of players? Absolutely. It's just unfortunate because I feel like we've seen parts of the defense as players come back and are healthy where, okay, when you've got Kaiser White, Josh Woods, Buddha Baker, Jalen Thompson, Garrett Williams, right? Well, when you have those key guys, the defense looks different. And I feel like if you had a healthy D-line, we would continue to be impressed with how this defense has exceeded expectations.
0: Top 10 in sacks, top 5 in tackles for loss. That's where this Cardinals defense is going into Week 12, and the sack total... 32 it's the eighth most in the league
1: that's wild to me
0: and tied even more wild tied for the second highest total in franchise history through 11 games really and you do not have that prototypical edge rusher that stands out on film or is the opponent's number one reason to defend you have 12 i believe 11 or 12 different players with at least a half sack And the highest total is five, and that's by Dennis Gardeck. He's your leading sack artist with five. B.J. O'Jolari with four. Victor DiMuchegi with four. So you're getting it spread across the board, but that number of 32, because that was a huge concern going into this offseason. Would you be able to get a consistent pass rush? I don't know if it's been as consistent as you would like it to be, but the numbers back it up saying, yeah, it has been. Although sometimes when you're watching, it's like, why aren't they getting it more? And that you kind of want, you always want more yet at the same time without that big name, whether that's on the D line or linebackers, you're still affecting the
1: quarterback. It's been very impressive what those two groups have done with the personnel, with the injuries that they faced. I do think those are. Those are top spots that this front office is probably really going to attack, either in the draft or free agency. But it has been a good sign of the types of players you have and what this coaching staff is doing in terms of scheme and getting their players ready from what you have seen so far this season.
0: On the other side of the ball, on offense, during the open portion of practice, no Michael Wilson, still dealing with that shoulder issue. Though Zach Paschal and Amari Di Mercado were practicing, Haskell missed last week with a hamstring, and Di Mercado has missed the past couple of weeks with a toe. The concern, though, for me is Wilson because he didn't practice, and then he was listed as questionable a couple of weeks back, came back to practice, played, then this past week limited, did not practice on Friday ahead of the game against the Texans, did not dress, and according to head coach Jonathan Gannon, Yes, it's a shoulder injury, but he termed it as a somewhat new injury. wouldn't get into details. And we know injuries really cost Michael Wilson his college career as far as being that consistent threat. And we got spoiled with a rookie coming in and having such uh, an immediate impact within this offense. And now at the end of the season or towards the end of the season, all of a sudden you don't see number 14 on the football field because I do think it – is a factor in what we didn't see on Sunday against the Texans as far as what this offense looks like when you have a Michael Wilson or a taller wide receiver.
1: Absolutely you just you don't have that size the next wide receiver of size is Zach Pascal, and they're just not the same one they're not the same size and two they're not the same type of receiver the throws could have been better I, I think back to that Hollywood Brown interception if you had somebody with the size of Michael Wilson, would that have ended differently? Those are the types of plays where I feel like you miss him. I feel like Wilson's done a good job in the blocking game as well. When Gannon said it was sort of a new deal, I took it as it's because he said it's the same area, but it's a new injury. So I guess not the same injury, but maybe because that same spot was healing. Maybe he hurt something that he might have otherwise not. I didn't really know what much more to make of that. But that is a huge loss if you don't if you don't have Wilson out there.
0: And I'm not exactly sure whether Wilson will be available this week just based off what this team has done with the practice squad in terms of finding a taller wide receiver. These were the moves that have been made so far this week when it comes to wide receiver. Davion Davis released, he's 5 foot 11. They have signed 6 foot 3 Daniel Arias who has been on and off this team for a while. And then a brand new veteran, most recently with the Vikings practice squad, and that is Dan Chesena. Chus- Chesena? I think I got that pronounced correctly. Sure. <laughs> and he's another tall wide receiver, six foot three. So you look at what the team does for the practice squad to see who might be able to be elevated the day before. And if you're looking for someone who has that size, might be more of a Daniel Arias because he's more familiar with the offense. But that is something that we saw on Sunday. You didn't have anyone that was over six feet as a wide receiver. Trey McBride and Jeff Swaim and Elijah Higgins, those were your only quote-unquote tall pass catchers.
1: I will say, though, if you're going to have short receivers, they need to be quick. That's what the Cardinals have. Greg Dortch, Rondell Moore, who got open on that 48-yard bomb of a touchdown on the opening drive. Hollywood Brown has the speed. So it's not like you don't have anything because you don't have size. It will be interesting this offseason when you have a good amount of receivers who are currently in contract years with this new staff of who do you bring back? Are you going to prioritize size? Is that going to be noticeable in the draft? Something to keep our eye on.
0: One of the big question though, within that conversation is Hollywood Brown and something that we discussed multiple times in the offseason. Is he a number 1 wide receiver? At the time, I didn't think he was. Could he become one? Sure, he is one this season, by default almost, yet we see him every single day, and I do think he has kind of become a number 1 wide receiver, but around the league, just by the numbers, if you don't watch Hollywood every single day, or at least every single game, every play, his numbers, Danny, are not good at all. Yeah, he leads the team in receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns, but He ranks 32nd in catches, 43rd in yards, and 73rd in yards per catch. That, to me, is not a number 1 wide receiver.
1: Here's what's hard about that for me is the first half of the season, it was clear that the chemistry or communication, or maybe it was more on the accuracy with Josh Dobbs, wasn't really there. Hollywood was thrown out of bounds. He was overthrown. He was underthrown. I think that affects the numbers of if he had a a quarterback like Kyler Murray to start the season, I think his numbers would look different. But I say that and Kyler Murray's been back. And for whatever reason, it just hasn't worked with Hollywood Brown. It doesn't feel like Kyler is forcing it to his BFF, which I appreciate, which Kyler talked about actually to the media of. You know, I I want to get in the ball, but I'm not going to force it if that's not what's open, which is a good answer. But it is interesting of, is it just because the looks that they've really been giving Hollywood Brown have been those deep balls, right? And those are just harder to hit. I'm not really sure, but, but we haven't seen that duo this year through two games like, like we thought we would.
0: If you had told me that Hollywood Brown would have been held to just three catches on nine targets in two games with Kyler Murray, I would have laughed at you. And that's exactly what has happened. And that was something that the expectation with Kyler coming back was, okay, well, now all of a sudden Hollywood Brown has a quarterback who is more accurate, can throw the deep ball with accuracy, and those connections can be made it hasn't happened. Trey McBride was the number one target the first game. Greg Dortch was the number one target the second game. You don't want to force it to Hollywood yet at the same time if you are that number one wide receiver that I would and I would only say there are a handful across the league. It's hard to find that number one wide receiver to where you just throw the ball his direction because he's just better than whomever is defending them. There are very few of those out there, but most of those are six feet or taller, and they have the length, they have the size, and Hollywood just doesn't have that. Not to say he can't be a good receiver, he just might not be your number one option in an offense.
1: Right, and again, maybe that's something that they target next year. Now, I I do think Hollywood could be one of those 1A, 1B receivers where you find someone that really compliments him and force defenses to defend both players and really let hollywood shine you're right though in the past there have been uh number one receivers that have really demanded the ball regardless of the situation in a way that hollywood brown does not i don't mean that on the field i mean like verbally demanding the ball
0: and that's the one thing that we have been which is a good
1: thing by the way that's what i yeah
0: but despite the numbers which would be a heck of a lot better if The two throws against the Rams in Los Angeles had been connected between Dobbs and Hollywood, even the ones by Kyler Murray, yet we haven't heard anything negative, public or private, from Hollywood. He has been the ultimate professional and the ultimate teammate, no matter whom the quarterback is, throwing him the football, and that's from his own words, and then also from his teammates and his coaches as well.
1: There is a reason the players who are still in this locker room with this new staff are still in this locker room, and that's a great example why.
0: This front office, this coaching staff, is figuring out who they can win with and win the right way that culture fits, not only on the field, but off the field as well. And there might not be a better example than Buda Baker. And on Wednesday... For the fourth straight year, which I did not know until I read it on AZCardinals.com, Buda Baker, the Cardinals nominee for the NFL's Art Rooney Sportsmanship Award. Fourth straight season, he's been nominated, and you can see why. Because, well, he plays the game the right way, respects the game, respects his teammates, and respects his opponents.
1: How many times do we have to say different ways that Buda Baker is the ultimate pro. He is the type of player, the type of person you want on the field. You want in the locker room. You want representing your organization, representing your community. He truly is everything you would want in a player. And I I love that there is the opportunity for players on each team to be recognized for that, especially in a year where Buddha was hurt. That was the most he's missed in a season in his career, especially in a year where the team has two wins it's not it's not easy to still conduct yourself the same way day in and day out the way that he does the way that earned him that respect and that title
0: by the way not only that on Wednesday but Sunday his 100th career game for Buda Baker so tip of the cap to him hopefully the Cardinals can get a win over the Rams and that will be the first time Buda has faced the Rams this season and I did not know I did not remember this until I read it earlier Buda Baker Jalen Thompson, Kyler Murray, and James Conner all missed the first meeting against the Rams in Week 6. How much is that going to be the difference between what was a 26-9 loss to perhaps a Cardinals win on Sunday and back-to-back home wins for the first time since 2021?
1: Yeah, that's that's a good point, was all the injuries that this team was dealing with. I mean, look, what I think back to that first matchup in Week 6... I think about the fact that L.A. had no exaggeration, maybe 10 rushing yards in the first half, and you come out and open the second half with nine straight run plays and ended on a touchdown pass to Cooper Cup. I mean, the, the, the halftime adjustments made by L.A. were drastic. So that is that has to be key for this defense is stopping the run. And when you have those players that were not there, Jalen Thompson, Buda Baker in the secondary – That's going to make life more difficult if you are able to stop the run, but you've got those guys defending for you.
0: And at what point that first meeting would a Buda Baker just put the foot down and said, no, this is not happening anymore. You can't continuously run over us, through us, and do something about it. And I don't know if there was someone on that defensive side in Week 6, but now you have not one, but two guys on that field this week in Week 12.
1: And Jalen Thompson's coming off a great game. Had his first career sack in five years. And and I know that it's a loss, so you can only take so much from it. But the halftime adjustments made by Arizona's defense was impressive. I mean, you're going to give up 300 total yards in the first half. That's not great. The fact that you gave up 308 total passing yards, you can't do that. But the fact that at least at halftime, Arizona got their act together and held – Houston to just 86 total yards, zero points, two of your three interceptions. You still have to be impressed with those types of changes made.
0: Can't spot a team 21 points in the first half, but if that's what you hold them to, 21 points in a game, that should not beat you nine times out of ten. Right. More times than not, though, it has beaten the Cardinals just because the offense hasn't held up its end. Hopefully here, game two for Kyler Murray at home, third game overall, we see a little bit more of a a more of a fluid operation and more of what we saw in that first game than what we saw last week in Houston. And then just how does Kyler respond after a bad game that he thought he had and not being able to finish that given the chances the defense gave the
1: offense? That was why Kyler sat in his uniform for 30 minutes post game, just kind of sitting there taking it all in. I think he took that game pretty hard. Also on Sunday, they're all going to look pretty, pretty sleek, Craig. Everyone's going to look pretty nice down on the field.
0: Oh, I thought you were talking about in the press box, because we always look nice in the press box. Sure. Oh, you're talking about the players <laughs> in uniform.
1: Yes. wearing the black. Yes. I forgot uniforms. until Wednesday's practice when they were practicing in those black helmets.
0: Helmets look nice, especially they when it's do. shimmering in the sun or obviously in the stadium lights. It looks good.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to see those.
0: Uh, By the way, before we uh, end this pre-Thanksgiving edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, it wasn't just Buddha Baker who received an honor this week. Our very own Danny Sarek received an honor as well.
1: Oh, no. What did she receive an honor for?
0: Oh, you're going to make someone very, very unhappy by not remembering. Do you not have in your position?
1: Oh, okay. Okay. We're on the same page.
0: All right trying to explain this because it is unusual but we have a dinosaur
1: a a small dinosaur that has a Cardinals jersey and on it and a helmet and a
0: helmet so it's dressed in Cardinals gear and a year or two years And it's ago, not
1: like a stuffed animal it's no, like No 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 it's
0: a hard ceramic yes. dinosaur don't throw it at anyone danny unless you have already have please don't throw it at anyone but it's become something where we give out a weekly award within the department And you were selected for your hard work, not only for the week going into week 11, but just your overall work this entire year, at least according to our team illustrator, Chad Burns.
1: Chad, who first of all is one of the nicest human beings I've had the pleasure of ever interacting with and is incredibly talented, had this written out, (laughs) not on his phone, on paper... A written out speech about why I why he felt I deserved the, di- the dinosaur that week, which was caught me by surprise. I was very honored. He had really great things to say. One of the things he did say was that Chad is a loyal listener and viewer of our podcasts, of our Morning Scramble live show. And Chad in his speech said that I am not afraid, in a good way, <laughs> to have an opinion and to stick up for it. And all of a sudden, I hear something from somebody behind me where I'm sitting in our studio at the meeting saying, yeah, that's true. And I turn around and lo and behold, it was Craig.
0: I believe my quote was, I'll second that.
1: I'm not going to tell on the podcast what I said in response (laughs) to you. Because I'm trying to keep my image. But I am very grateful uh, and thankful that Chad decided to gift me with the dinosaur this week.
0: In hindsight, we should have had it filmed because I'm sure the Sarek family would have loved to have seen it.
1: <laughs> they don't know about the dinosaur. That's oh, the point. Oh, they don't know about no, the dinosaur. You didn't I immediately
0: pick up the phone and call mom I and dad not. and brag about the
1: dinosaur? I didn't, but maybe I will after this. Okay,
0: well, congratulations. See, now the pressure's on, Danny, because...
1: Who am I going to pick next Chad week?
0: has set the bar for you not you got to only- start
1: complimenting me, Craig. Oh, you think... If you want the dinosaur, oh, I mean, that's I one the way.
0: Oh, to be nice to you. Yeah. Okay. I guess I need to work on that.
1: Just something to consider. Okay. Are you... What are you doing for Thanksgiving? Are you cooking?
0: I'm helping. Okay.
1: Cook. Helping. That's good. Is
0: that good? Yes. Okay.
1: What's your favorite dish? Stuffing. Mmm. Do you do... I don't really know the difference dressing and stuffing do you do it where don't you ask cook, not but you cook yours in the turkey or separate uh
0: both i've done we've done it both I, it's i don't know i don't think there is a difference but i'm trying to remember which
1: i think stuffing you technically have to put it in the turkey maybe i'm wrong but they're all the same to me but that's yeah. that's a good dish to like i like stuffing you're gonna watch football
0: absolutely three games i love it i think there's a college football game on as well but i don't care about that it's just oh, three football games yeah i feel and that. they're spread out so you got nothing to do but watch football and Unless you're, family unless you're Jonathan
1: Gannon. Because I that's asked because right. he said he's uh, sending everybody home Thursday. I said, do you watch football? He said, no, I'm going to eat and catch up on sleep.
0: I'll eat. I don't know about the sleep part, but I'll eat as well. See, we you might have,
1: sleep if you're eating turkey. All that tryptophan is going to gonna make you sleepy. i got to
0: get through the third game, which is Seahawks and 49ers. So that's that's kind of the big game of the three, at least for us, within the NFC West.
1: Are you going to do Black Friday shopping? Are you going to camp out anywhere? No. Go get some deals? I'll be
0: here. Friday's That's a work fair. day.
1: Oh, I wouldn't tell on you if you decided not to show up. <laughs> Darren will never know the difference.
0: Okay. Yeah, we've got to be nice to Danny because she has the <laughs> dinosaur. But I will be here at work in case Darren is listening as well. I don't know how long I'll be at work, but I'll be at work <laughs> on Friday. <laughs> And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Almohundro, our associate producer, Cody Fincher. For Danny Sarek. I'm Craig Riolu. Happy Thanksgiving, Bird Gang. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.